We all want more freedom, and a lot of us work hard now in the hope we'll feel free later. What if there was another way? A way to feel happier, more free, and confident to get better results right now. Welcome to Your Freedom Unlimited, where we share practical stories and strategies to help you show up authentically, drop your fears, and take inspired action on what matters most to you. I'm your host, Jen Ramsey. As a coach with a love for metaphysics, science, spirituality, and strategies that get results, I'll help you step away from self-doubt and create a powerful new story for your life, business, or career. Join me. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. My name is Jen Ramsey, and I am so glad that you're here this week with me to join with me in meeting Ryder Carroll. Ryder Carroll is a digital product designer and author, and most importantly, the developer and creator of the bullet journal method. I'm not sure about you, but I actually have a serious stationary addiction, and I've always wondered about the bullet journal method, having seen it on beautiful pictures on Instagram and so on. So today we've got the honour of actually speaking with Ryder and to understand how he came to develop the, develop the bullet journal method and what it means to him. And I think the hundreds of thousands or millions of people who actually use this method every day in their lives. So welcome, Ryder. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here, Ryder, and, and uh, to really be able to dig into the background and the, and the backstory to developing the bullet journal method, because as I said, it's incredibly popular worldwide. People love doing it. People love sharing that they're doing it. So perhaps we might just jump straight in to understand a little bit of backstory. Where did the bullet journal method come from and, and how did you come to develop it? Sure. Um, I guess the easiest way to explain how the bullet journal method came to be is that it is a series of solutions to my own challenges. When I was young, I was diagnosed with ADD. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of resources to help me deal with that diagnosis. So I had to start developing my own resources. I had to figure out ways to become more focused and organized and productive. And I did that using the only tool I had available to me at the time, which was a good old fashioned paper notebook. So I would spend a lot of time in class trying to figure out different ways to organize my thoughts and information. And I tried out various different things, most of which didn't work, but every once in a while, something would. And then a little bit later, another thing would. And over the years, I started accumulating these tools and techniques and weaving them together into a system which eventually became known as the bullet journal method. Wow. And so in terms of that period of time when you were a young child, not knowing what was going on, what was that like for you? What was, what was it like to be sort of caught in a space where things didn't seem to be the same for you as for other children? It was a gradual process because I went to a school that's um, K through 12, so kindergarten through senior year, pretty much in the same complex. So a lot of the people that I went to school with, you know, I started in kindergarten with them and where the activities are basically taking a nap and drawing. But then after a couple of years, 
you start realizing that you're actually not on even playing field in many different ways, right? When all of a sudden the real schooling begins, the people that you were exactly as good as them taking a nap or coloring all of a sudden are better at you at certain things. And that started, that, that difference started becoming very clear to me. And then it became very clear to them. So that creates a differentiation. And generally speaking, it's been my experience that children are not very good with differences, especially if there's better and worse. Right. Um, so it was hard. It was definitely very challenging to realize that things became much harder for me that didn't seem very hard at all to people who were just the same as me a couple months ago or last year. And all of a sudden you lose friends or, you know, you have to go to other classes and work with other teachers. And uh, yeah, it starts to form an identity early. Right. And especially back then, this would be, I guess, like in the late eighties, early nineties, it just wasn't a lot of literature around these kind of things. Either you were like, stupid or you're a good student those are your options pretty much maybe dyslexic at the time maybe but um add was neither here nor there people didn't know what that meant so uh, you you have a choice basically you're just going to be a bad student that's it or you figure out a way to get by and luckily i guess in this context i was stubborn and i started figuring out ways to get by and over time I started realizing that I had the power to do so. And that's something that doesn't really occur to a child often, right? As, as a kid, you're often looking to the tall folks for answers. Your parents help you with your homework or your teachers or your siblings, they have all the answers. It's not often that we're empowered to solve our own problems, especially as children, until one day um, I was sitting in class and I started realizing that I could pay attention much better to what was being said especially in subjects that didn't interest me if I was drawing. So if I was actually doodling my notebook, I could hear what was being said for the first time. It occupied the part of my mind that was always grasping, that always needed distraction. Of course, the teacher doesn't love it when you're drawing in class or teachers in general until one, until one teacher realized what was happening. And she pulled me aside and she's like, it's interesting. I realize that every time you're looking at me, you're not paying attention. And every time you're drawing, you are good for you for figuring that out, right? Yeah. It was like, all of a sudden I was given permission to do that. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning. That was the beginning of a process of me looking for my own solutions. Wow. And yeah, I guess that's kind of, that's kind of what, what led me to develop what I shared with the world. And that's kind of what I continue to do professionally now is to share solutions to challenges that I encounter and hopefully they help other people as well. Mm. Right, what an amazing story. And just want to pick up on a couple of things that you said there. And I think the first one was, you know, that as a child that you realised you could start creating your own solutions. How old, how old were you when you sort of came to this realisation that because the tall people, the big folks didn't have many answers, how old were you when you sort of came to this realisation that, that you might have to develop your own answers here? I don't think it was a one-time realization. I feel like the instance that I just gave you was the first time where that even became available to me as a concept. Mm -hmm. But I, I think as with most things, understanding isn't formed in an instant. No. It's, a, it's a series of moments that over time start to crystallize or convince you. You're like, oh wait, okay, 
you're learning parts of a lesson over time, but it started in middle school, I would say. I would say that she, yeah, as I said, what she told me made that available to me for the yes. first time. It's like, okay, this is okay. You know, this is something I can do. Yeah, she was a very alert and aware teacher and what a blessing to to say, to note mm -hmm. it rather than to say, oh, you're drawing, I want you drawing in my class, but to actually welcome that and see that as a tool that you were using. So, and and you're right, there's never sort of one sort of, there often aren't these sort of crystal, sometimes there are defining moments, but you're right, often it's this over a period of time and you look back and you go, oh, that's what that was all about. And, oh, that's that means that I can do that now. But I think your comment there about being a child, being able to come up with your own solutions, has that has that been something that has really um, been a, a a very strong philosophy of yours? Then moving forward in your life, is that is that something you've you've done throughout your life once you had that realization? Yeah, I think it's a fundamental philosophy that I have. Mm. I think that at the end of the day, it's up to you. Yes. Right, and except for very few instances in life, it's up to you. That's, 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 <laughs> so learning how to become the best version of yourself becomes a strategy. It's not just about self-care, I think. It's just the philosophy that makes you, I can makes, <laughs> I go on. Yeah, no, yeah, I just think that that, that understanding that that's a responsibility that you need to really embrace can make things easier. I completely agree. And often here on Your Freedom Unlimited, I talk about this concept of the fact that we are the creator of our own reality rather than a victim of circumstances. And I think mm. the story that you've just shared and is, is a perfect example of that. You, you weren't going to, you said you were stubborn. You weren't going to take, you know, no for an answer. And you clearly had, could see that there were, there was a different way that you could be. So rather than being, um, uh, feeling a victim to a set of circumstances, you created your own reality in that. So it's just, just fantastic. What role did your parents play in all of this? Well, quite an interesting one. Both of my parents are teachers. So on the one hand, you had teachers who had a child with learning disabilities diagnosed with something that they didn't know about, right? And at the time it was a very new diagnosis. So they, they, uh, they were, on the one hand, the most qualified to deal with this, but also the most frustrated because they were also teachers who, you know, want the best for their child. It's, mm. it's, they, they, they're both parents and teachers. They're two different roles. Mm. But I also think what, what worked to my advantage is that neither of them were particularly good students, so they could see the world from my perspective. Um, I think I would like to believe that both of them were very accomplished teachers. I had the good fortune of taking both of their classes at one point. But um, the one thing that they really hammered home with me was not to always like be the best in things, right? To like do the best that you can, right? So the difference being a lot of my friends at the school specifically were very oriented around specific grade point averages that there was a, there was a very competitive grading community, especially enforced by parents, a lot of law, a lot of politics. Um, a lot of these kids were being groomed for higher education. And a lot of my friends were miserable because whether a lot of them just could not 
get the grades that their parents wanted them to get. But my parents are like, do the best that you can do, which put the emphasis on my own ability. I stopped comparing myself to other people as much, which never serves anybody, and started comparing myself to my former self. And that was incredibly powerful because I knew if I could do better and I knew if I could do worse, right? If it didn't matter what grade I got as long as I tried. And that was, that was very helpful. That really changed the, the dynamic of school for me mm. in general. Mm. Wow. That is powerful. Also, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, it's a different paradigm. Mm. And it's very interesting. You're a very wise soul writer because being thrust into that environment where obviously it was very, um, very, very, um, you know, competitive, highly competitive to then face these difficulties. I can see how the, you know, the juxtaposition would have become even more uh, significant. But the fact that you, was, you were like, no, I'm actually rowing my own boat here. I'm not going to compare myself to others. It's just about me and me trying harder and and going to that next level within myself. So very powerful. And um, because I think there's a big danger in comparing yourself to others in life. That's the other thing that I think we can, we can fall into in our society. I know I've, I spent a lot of my childhood doing it and it was a really, um, really very unsupportive thing that I did, used to do. So, and that's been the big change around in my life is to sort of see, I create my own reality and it's not about anybody else, but it's about what I'm doing that, as you say, helps me to become the best version of myself. So very wise, very wise. So you've mentioned there were, you know, there was a series of things, a series of tools that you developed over time. When did you come to the point when you thought, oh, this is the bullet journal? Was, was there a moment? There were a series of moments that led to me sharing what became the bullet journal method, I guess would be the best way of putting it, because to me, all these tricks and all these techniques that I developed were the crutches for faulty mind, at least in my, my assumption, not my estimation, right? These were the tools I needed. Never really assumed that they could help anyone else, especially given my rocky educational <laughs> career. You know, it's, 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 it never occurred to me that other people struggled in the same way. Um, especially again, because I grew up in a time where ADD was not, not as, not nearly as popular as it is today, for lack of a better term, or mm. as well understood, I guess would be better or embraced even. Um, but I've run into different moments where I would share pieces of it. For example, the first time I ever shared the bullet journal method with someone or what became known as the bullet journal method eventually was when a friend of mine who had got me this job was struggling to organize our wedding. We worked in the same office together. So she got me the job working in the same office she did, which was a big career break for me. Um, and I was, I wanted to repay her kindness somehow. And I saw that she was really struggling to organize this wedding. Like every day I'd walk by her desk and there'd just be like another layer of color swatches and sticky notes and three different notebooks and calendars. And she, it just seemed like she was getting more and more frenzied by the day. Um, it was, she was miserable. And so I don't know why, but I volunteered. It's like, hey, if you like, I can show you how I organize myself because my mind looks like your desk. <laughs> I <And> love it. 
And to my great horror, she took me up on this offer. <laughs> you know, I just kind of threw it out there. So a couple of days later, we went to grab some coffee and I tried to walk her through my notebook, mm-hmm. which was a really painful experience because trying to explain to somebody else how your mind works and how you think is very unnatural. And it's something that didn't even occur to me how difficult it would be because I'd never done it before. How do you articulate the way that your thoughts operate and your mind operates? Everything's kind of a guess and an assumption, vague. So I stumbled through this lengthy explanation. And at the end, it was hard for me to even look at her because uh, it, it was rough. And I looked at her and she was staring at me with her mouth hanging open. I'm like, oh no, she thinks I'm completely crazy. And the first thing she said to me was, you need to share this with people. Oh, wow. How amazing. Um, so that was the first time where the switch was flipped. It never, it never even occurred to me that this could be helpful to other people. And so over the next couple of years, I would share this technique or that technique based on challenges that people around me would have. And what was interesting is there's such different challenges. I would be talking to designers and project managers and accountants and every one of them could benefit from a different aspect of this, you know, just a way of using their notebooks because they all had notebooks. They all had paper notebooks, most of the people. And I spent most of my career until not that long ago being a digital product designer and yet everybody had a paper notebook. Mm. I still so do. fast forward a couple of years. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> it's, them. It's, it's, it's a powerful tool. Mm. Um, and then flash forward a couple of years and I was, rolling off a long year long project. And I was about to start another project in a couple of weeks. But uh, for me, the way that I get re-energized is not by sitting down, but it's by creating something by like really engaging with my curiosity and building things that kind of recharges my batteries. I'm like, so what could I make that's uniquely my own that could help other people? And I was like, well, I use my notebook in a pretty unique way, I think. So I built a website and formalized these systems in a way. So I stripped a lot out of it and just tried to surface the tools that had added the most amount of value over the longest period of time mm-hmm. and came up with a name for it and launched bulletjournal.com. And how long ago was that, Ryder? In 2013. 13, so seven years ago and, and announced this worldwide mm-hmm. phenomenon. And one thing just for those who are listening, before Ryder and I came on air, we agreed that it's actually too hard to try and explain how the bullet journal method works there's some key things that you do but the best thing to do is to go to bulletjournal.com and look at the tutorials there and um then you write it and the, the, the website explains it beautifully because it is it's a lot to try and explain when in this listening format um what i i guess the thing is the next question i have then is why do you think it has become so popular writer from that from that first website in 2013, why do you think it's become so popular? I think one reason is that it's very much designed to be customized to the needs of each individual practitioner. And I refer to it very much as a practice because it evolves over time. The bullet journal method basically uses a notebook as a paper mirror. It kind of reflects your life back at you and the techniques that I teach help people organize their thoughts and re-engage with those thoughts to surface the things that may have been hidden otherwise, just because 
we're busy and our minds are continuously occupied. It provides a way for us to take time. And once we start taking time, we start to see things in a way that are often obscured. So I think one of the reasons why bullet journaling became so popular is because A, it helps, it gives people, it grants people the time that they need to just process their lives. That's one thing. Um, and on the other hand, not only, which is something that's not uncommon for many different journaling practices, but on the other hand, it also offers people a very specific system to take their insight and put it into action. Mm. So and that, that I think is, a, it offers kind of the best of both worlds and A, it helps you have insight, but also take that insight and make it actionable. And it does so in a very systematic way over and over again. So people learn a lot about themselves. And then the other part of it that I think is, lends itself to this popularity is how flexible it is. So I designed my techniques based on the way that my mind worked with ADD. I have thoughts that, that, that can be captured in different ways. Sometimes they're images, sometimes it's short form, sometimes it's long form. So I designed a system that could basically capture whatever I needed it to capture in whatever way I needed to capture it. But that lent itself to this flexibility that allowed people to adapt it to their own needs very easily. So people who have very different experiences from my own have all these flexible tools that they can map onto their own experience. And that's really, I think, one of the most powerful parts about bullet journaling. It reflects the lives of each user differently. So I'll look at a bullet journal and I'll see a story and I'll see a life that is so different from my own but it's still using the same tools to drive that person's either growth or learning or helping them overcome a challenge. And which, which is the last part of this is it helps you get this insight, become more introspective, it helps you take action on your insight, but it also evolves over time. It allows you to plug in your own tools, right? It allows you to identify what is essential and then create tools that help you take action on those things and make progress consistently. I love that. I love that. So it's moving from, so something that moved from, say, if we think about your, your friend with the wedding from a simple organizational tool, I hope the wedding went well, by the way, um, but from the simple organizational tool into this much deeper um, tool. And I know that you call it a mindfulness practice disguised as a productivity system. Um, is that what you're talking about here? And this, 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 this notion of it being the mirror reflecting our, our lives back to us? Yes. So the Bolger method can be very different things depending on what you need it to be. And people approach it and come to it from different perspectives, different paths, right? Some people want to be more organized. If you want to be more organized, sure. I teach people how to create a really effective to-do list and task management framework for themselves. But for me, that was, I guess, I guess the best way I can describe it is the way that I experienced the progression of the bullet journal methods evolution. So when I first designed it, I designed it to combat my ADD. Mm. I wanted to be more focused. I wanted to be more productive. And it allowed me to do those things. It allowed me to figure out a way to kind of organize my thoughts and achieve my goals. And I got really good at that over time. 
But what I started to realize was that though I was very good at accomplishing my goals, I didn't feel accomplished. The goals themselves always seemed empty. And I started realizing that all these goals were really not my own. I, they were, they came from my peers or they came from, you know, the media or, or all these different sources. I hadn't really thought about what I wanted. So what started happening is that I took all these tools that I had developed to become more productive and organized and kind of redirected them to become well inward, if you will, yep. you know, it helped me get through the world, but like around me, but once I turned those tools inward, things became much more interesting and much more powerful. It changed the bullet journal method from a process-driven approach to life to a purpose-driven approach to life. So it, asks, it helped me start asking, why am I doing what I'm doing? So at first, it helped me organize what. And eventually, and what I'm teaching now, is it helps me clarify and service why and putting the why before the what. Mm. So that's how it becomes a mindfulness practice, just to be aware of why you're doing what you're doing. And once you know why, you also have the systems that help you execute on that, figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it. But it starts with the why. I love that. And I, you're exactly right. It's that, it's that moving away from yeah, the process or the things that I think I should do, you know, things that perhaps we think we should achieve based on societal conditioning. I think, is that what you're talking about? The goals that you were achieving, even when you were achieving them, they didn't, they felt quite empty. And then this method has allowed you to sort of come around to well, what's, what, what does really, what is, what does really fire me up? What's, what's, you know, integrating with my purpose. I know we said we weren't going to get into the question, but is into the practice itself, but is there a particular question that you ask yourself or I know developing a purpose is not something we do overnight. It comes over a period of time. Is there a particular set of questions that you ask yourself to help understand what is most meaningful to you? What, what, what does fire you up? Yeah. So in the bullet drill method, we have this thing called monthly reflection and we do, it's in the name, right? We reflect on the content of our notebooks once a month. And in that process, we actually copy over the things from the previous month into a new month through a process known as migration. So we go through all our tasks and our notes, and then we ask ourselves three questions of the things that remain open, right? Is it vital? Is this something, is this something that you get in trouble for if you didn't complete, right? There are a lot of tasks as an adult that you just don't want to do, but they're vital, right? Your rent, medical payments, whatever. And if it is, then if it is vital, it moves forward. You know, it gets, it continues to be part of your life. Uh, if the answer is no, then you ask yourself a second question, which is, does it matter? Does it matter to you or to someone that you love? And that's a little bit more of a gray area, right? Because all of a sudden you have to think about why does this matter? Why does this not matter? And at first that might seem like a heavy question or an existential question, but you start asking yourself this question for many things each month. So it becomes a more comfortable question to ask and you just get more comfortable thinking of on those terms. I think that a lot of times existential questions seem overwhelming because they're asked so infrequently, mm. right? And they're always asked 
not always. They're often asked from a point of crisis, right? When something has gone really wrong, right? It's like, why am I doing this? What is the meaning of life? And so forth and so on. With, the, with bullet journaling, you're doing it consistently. So is it vital? Does it matter? And if it doesn't matter to you or to somebody you love, then why are you doing this, right? So A, you start curating your lists very quickly, start filtering out things that don't matter, and you keep surfacing the things that do. You keep connecting with the things that you're writing down. You, um, and you commit to them, you recommit to them over and over again. And in that process, you begin to understand the things that you're allowing into your life on a deeper level. And then there's the third question, because you know, when you're getting started, those two questions can already seem overwhelming. And the third question is, what would happen if this didn't get done ever? Like you just project that. What? And if the answer is nothing, <laughs> there's no consequences to not doing this, then why, why is it on your list? Mm. Mm. Right? So it, it's in asking these questions consistently that we start to develop a better awareness of ourselves of the things that we want more of and the things that we want less of. And over time you, you have brilliant moments of insight, but usually speaking, there aren't huge light bulb moments, right? They're just more like Christmas lights. Like, okay, this is a person that I want in my life. This is a person I don't want in my life. This is, it's time to start looking for a new job. You know, it's, it's time to like, you know, retire this pursuit mm. you're doing it consistently over and over again a big part of the bullet drone method is that it's cyclical it happens daily monthly yearly you're checking in with the contents of your mind i think it's fantastic because you're right it gives the it surfaces what's really most important and i think those questions you know is it vital does it matter and what would happen if it if it didn't happen such powerful questions to ask ourselves and I'm not sure about you, but sometimes when I ask myself those questions, I realise that I've, I, I realise that sometimes I've run my life to other people's agendas as opposed to my own, or as I said, the, the societal conditioning, those sorts of agendas, rather than what's truly important to me. Um, what have you found has been most important to you? you? You know, you've been on this journey with the Bullet Journal. You know, when you had this moment of achieving goals that then felt very empty you clearly went back to the journal and, and evolved this deeper reflection. If you don't mind me asking, yeah, what did you find was most important to you? What, what really became the purpose for your life? That's a big question. Um, I would say that when I started sharing this online um, and seeing the responses, realizing that I could make something that helps people accomplish things that they thought that they couldn't mm -hmm. or didn't, didn't know that was even available to them, providing, like allowing my experience to, to give them shortcuts to be happier and more productive, that, that resonated with me in a very big way. So long and short of it, I guess, is that I started realizing that I want to be of service, right? That's just, that, that helps. And this is my, my strange background and my experience has shaped me in a way that this 
is the way I can be of service. My design background, the, the writing, the artistic part, the design thinking, all these things that come really naturally to me come together in this pursuit. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting because before I was bullet journaling, I was a digital product designer. And the underlying goal for most digital product designers is that you're building tools that help people. Mm. It makes their lives a little bit easier so they can spend a little less time doing things that aren't as meaningful to spend more time with the things that are meaningful, right? You create a website so that filing for your car insurance is simpler. You do it quicker, right? Because you don't want to spend your life filing car insurance. And there, there are better things to be doing, aren't there, really? <laughs> there are better things to be doing. And of all the digital products that I've created, of all these different tools that I've created, bullet drilling ended up being the one that enabled people to spend much more time with the things that they believe to be meaningful. And if they didn't know what was meaningful, it provided a platform to them to start to define that on their own terms. Mm. I, I love it. What I think is also very interesting, you being a digital product designer, creating something that uses a notebook and your own hand and your own pen. Can you talk to us about that really moving to the analog versus the digital and, and why, why do you think that's important? Well, to me, there's just no barrier to entry, right? With the notebook, you just sit down and you mark a page. It's, it's, it's an incredibly natural thing to do. I don't have to learn new features. I don't know how I have to dig through the system settings. I, I just write things down. Mm. And even when I was designing apps, usually the way that started is I'd get a brief and I'd sit down with my notebook and start drawing the app out. I, it can move much more quickly that way. Like my hand really works at the speed of thought in that sense, right? Um, so it, it's always been a foundational tool, no matter how, no matter what I was working on, no matter the medium. And I kept coming back to it over and over and over again. I, you know, I started with the notebook, but it never, it never went away. I needed. I started because it was the only tool, and over the years, it just became the tool that underlies all other tools, right? And I, that, that's how I like to describe the bullet journal. Because people think that like now I've gone completely analog, which is not the case. It's not about digital versus analog. It's about finding the best tool for the job. Mm. And for me, bullet journaling is a toolkit. It's a toolkit that, it's a toolkit that helps me pick my tools better, right? So <laughs> rather than using everything and having to learn all these features, like it helps me, it helps me crystallize what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm trying to build, and then I can pick the other tools. And that's, that's what bullet journaling really is about for me. It's about clarifying your thinking, surfacing what's essential over and over again, and then finding the tools that I need to do that. And sometimes they're digital, sometimes they're analog. You know, it's that, that's not as interesting to me. No, it's, it's this foundational thing that, that you do. And I think there is research, isn't there, around... I mean, I, the thing is the pen and the piece of paper, it's, it is unfiltered. You can, you can go... Thoughts, as you say, can come straight out um, and, and can come out as clearly as they can or they come in a picture rather than words. Um, but and I, and I also... I do a lot of journaling and I teach journaling. And um, one of the things that I uh, do believe too is that it allows us to access... You know that you know the ideas and from the subconscious and from the superconscious, so we can 
become more of that channel, allowing things to come straight through. Have you had that experience where you feel like ideas have just come in, you're not sure where they're from? Sure, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like much, my favorite line is that you write in order to learn how to think, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like writing in every form helps you realize things that are there, but just weren't available to you, right? You just didn't know what, how, you didn't know what you're looking for. Um, and journaling, you know, gets you in the habit of writing. Mm -hmm. So for me, journaling is, is a form of actually thinking that that's how it is. And in that process, things bubble up not infrequently, not infrequently. And it's also taught me how to relate to the things that I'm writing. Mm. Um, I try to approach my writing with curiosity, not with judgment, which was, which was what originally turned me off from traditional journaling. When I was younger, it's like, dear diary today, you know, I ate the cheese sandwich and then I, you know, went to school and I never understood the purpose of that. And that, that wasn't helpful to me. It wasn't until I could, I felt the liberty to write about whatever I wanted to and be as petty and horrible as I wanted to be in my notebook or as be as uninteresting as I wanted to be. You know, I always felt like journaling, I had to tell the story. It was almost like a performance. Mm. And I, I think that's because most forms of self-expression are a performance, right? It's like the way you write, the way you make music, the way you create art, the journaling is a form of self-expression that's completely personal. And I feel like that's, I didn't catch on to that until later on. And once I realized that this is a form of self-expression that's entirely personal, it allowed me to be much more honest and it became significantly more effective. Absolutely. No one else needs to see those notebooks. No one else needs to see what's inside your journals. It's, it's completely mm -hmm. your, your private space, isn't it? And um, yeah. I agree with you, that whole idea of performance. I, I know years ago, I had the same experience. I'm like, why am I keeping a diary? What's the, there was, it was almost like there was the structure or the, the ideas that I've been given about keeping a diary didn't really work for me. But I understand what you're saying. Allow it to be this private space where you can express and then allow things to bubble up, allow things to, to surface. Um, you mentioned earlier too, it's a system that also allows us to take action on our insights. Could you talk to that a bit, please, and perhaps give us an example of perhaps where you've taken action on, on an insight you've gotten from your bullet journal? Sure. So in bullet journaling, we do this thing called rapid logging, where we basically capture our thoughts as short form sentences in one of three categories. Um, the things we have to do, the things that we don't want to forget, and the things that we experience, right? tasks, events, and notes. So as, a, as opposed to long form journaling, we journal in bulleted notes. So what will happen often is that there'll be an event, and that event can be either good or bad. And I'll just quickly capture that event and then I'll write down like three quick notes about that, like how I felt or things that I've observed. And over time, I just have like a very detailed record of my experience and I realize, okay, when I work with this person, it's always very negative experience, right? That's this thing, like I don't wanna work with this client anymore. Like it doesn't matter how much they're paying me, it's like it's not, this is always taking away, right? There's, a destroyer of energy, not a creator of it. 
Um, so all of a sudden, I, these, these little observations start bubbling up and I start identifying patterns. So the next thing is when I start realizing that is, again, now I take action. I will write it down the next day. It's like, okay, you will complete your project. You will do as you said, and then, you know, you will find them somebody else that they can work with, that kind of thing. I just take action. Like the next step is to get this person out of my life or the next step is to, depending on what you're focusing on, it's like, oh, here are three different companies that I would love to work with. The next step is this. So realizing that you like what they're doing, realizing that you could provide value and then taking action on that insight, mm. right? So it's, a, again, reflection is a big part of bullet journaling. So you're coming back to the things that you're writing down. It's not like other journaling practices where it's kind of like a write and run, mm -hmm. which can be effective in its own kind. A big part is coming back to your record and trying to examine it and learn from it. Like, oh, I realize that when I spend time with this friend, I always feel energized and optimistic, but I only see them once every four months because I'm not making this a priority, this relationship a priority. Okay, now I'm going to start putting a... a a monthly touch base with this friend mm. moving forward, those kind of things. You just have these little pieces of insight and you put it into action. You quickly write down a task. It's like, I'm going to schedule monthly calls with X. Mm. You know, this is, this is, this is the most recent thing that happened with me. I realized that I talked with a friend and we hadn't talked for a very long time. And especially now with COVID and everything, seeing people is much harder, but now we have standing monthly engagement, which we've both been enjoying greatly and makes our conversations much more intentional and something to look forward to. And it just didn't even occur to me to do that. You know, book time with a friend, it seems very corporate, but it ends up being really nourishing. That's right. I have a similar thing actually with a girlfriend. I speak to her once a week and we're, we're the, it's the same thing. We're really, we really value that time and it's been about locking it away so that no one else can can get into that time for us both so it is yeah it's, it's it's a what you're saying there it's about becoming intentional about the things that matter most to you and letting go of the things maybe taking action on letting go of the things that that don't um mean a lot to you yeah i think it all comes down to awareness it, a lot of journaling is about becoming more perceptive about what's going on inside and both inside and outside. So you take that awareness, you just become aware of this thing. And over time, that awareness will mature into some kind of understanding, one would hope. And then you take that insight and then you put it into action. Mm. So it's kind of a cycle. It's like, oh, now I'm aware of this thing. I don't know what I, what I feel about this yet. I don't know what to do about this yet, but this is happening every two days or you know, you're checking in once a month. That awareness starts to mature and then you take it and you move it forward. You can make progress. Mm. That's, it's fan absolutely fantastic. And, and it is this, this is, these are the steps. It's funny that it's a small daily steps we take to be living a more purpose driven, more intentional life. It's not like, uh, you know, I like what you said earlier. Sometimes we try and decide on our purpose after a crisis um, or we ask ourselves these big questions after a crisis. And um, that's possibly not the best time. Um, because everything's, you know, up in the air and, and we may not be feeling very good. But if in the course of daily life we're actually, you know, taking the time out to ask ourselves these questions and become comfortable with asking the questions, then we get to that, that richness um, 
as you say, over a period of time. It's not, not an overnight thing, but that richness starts appearing. How much time, just, and I want to talk a bit now about time, but if, you know, how much time, if someone was listening to this thinking, gee, I'd like to give this bullet journaling method a go, how much time a day, and I understand there's a morning and then there's an, is there an evening reflection, how much time a day would you suggest that someone who's starting out, who's learning the system, could, could devote to this? At least 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. um, and those are for the morning and evening reflections. And morning and evening reflections, the short version is that you basically sit down with your notebook and think and put your thoughts on paper quickly. That's it. So you do it for a couple minutes in the morning and then you do it again at night. And then the harder part to gauge is the whole point of bullet journaling is that it becomes part of your day. So you have it just lying open and you're just writing down thoughts and how much time that takes is a uh, very individual, but we're, we're saying, when I say capturing your thoughts again, this, these are bulleted items. You're not just journaling all day long, but it's like, oh, okay, meeting at six o'clock, write it down. Uh, I need to pick up the cake. You know, it's, you're just writing these things down all day. And then at the end of the day, you're coming back to it. Mm -hmm. So at least 10 minutes, you can spend as much or as little time as you want, but I would say safely 10 minutes will, will get you a long way. We'll, we'll have, more of an effect than one might assume. That's fantastic. So is it 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, or five minutes in the morning, five in the evening? Five in the morning, five in the evening. That's pretty doable. I think that's a great place to start. It's um, I know when I'm talking with people about meditation, I say, look, just start with five minutes a day, and then as you get to enjoy it, you'll want to actually do more of it. And is that the way it is with bullet journaling as well? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my advice that I give people who are interested in bullet journaling is start with your intention. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to bullet journal? What, what have you heard that's, that interests you about it? What problem specifically do you think that this could help with? Are you feeling disorganized? Are you feeling forgetful? Are you feeling a lot of anxiety? Like these are all things that a bullet journal method can, have, can, can help assist with in tremendous ways. But starting with a very specific need is important and then starting to capture your thoughts related to that need will help it become relevant very quickly mm. and when people see bullet journaling online that can get lost often because it's there's some very artistic interpretations of the methodology available online like instagram and pinterest which is that bullet journalist's personal take on the thing but underneath all of it it's significantly simpler. So I would say start with a need, start simple, just write down your thoughts related to that and then build from there. The whole methodology is designed to be modular. So you can start plugging in the tools that you need to address different challenges or ambitions. Mm. Now that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're right. There is, because if you do go to look online, there are, some, there are some beautiful bullet journals out there. And I have to say, when I looked, originally when I first heard about bullet journaling, I looked and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is all looking very beautiful. But it doesn't need to be beautiful. It, it, it's just this act of putting the pen to paper, as you're saying. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is that is this idea of time and energy. I've heard you speak about timing, time and energy being our greatest resource. I completely agree with you. It's what we do with our time and our energy that shapes everything in our lives, shapes everything that we do. Um, could you speak a little bit 
to us at, at a, about your views on time and energy and, and how perhaps you what you've realized about these things sure i guess my biggest epiphany is that time can't be made mm. it can only be taken and it can be taken in one of two ways it can be taken from us or it can be taken by us and that's a choice that we need to make consistently who do we give time to mm. and how do we take time for ourselves and i think that at its core, bullet journaling is about getting better at taking time. Mm. It's becoming aware of what is taking our time and what we need to take time for. Because again, time, time can't be made. It is very finite. Um, so being aware of that at all times, I think is really helpful. It may seem morbid, but I think that it can be one of the most inspiring and motivational forces out there. <laughs> this is not a renewable resource. So we got to make the most of it. No, it, it really isn't. And as you get older, you sort of see the passage of time and you see how, you know, there's, there's different, different periods of our life to do different things. And when that period of time is gone, then, you know, then that period of time is gone. So we want to try and make the most of it. So getting again, getting more intentional about how we use our time is, is really, really vital. Um, I, and I, I've heard you also say it's vital to be aware of what is available to us in this moment, you know, what's available to us right now. So if, if we understand that time's this finite resource and that, and, and my perspective is that what we have really is, is the now moment, like the right now, what practices do you have that help bring you into the now moment? Well, journaling is, I hate to give the, the obvious answer here, no. given that I'm the journaling guy, but journaling is the way that I become more present. I also have a meditation practice, but the meditation practice has been, has been made possible to me by journaling. So I journal before I meditate. So a lot of the thoughts that usually distract me during meditation no longer do. So it, it, I wake up in the morning and I have a head full of thoughts and I can offload them into my journal and then I can meditate. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say more effectively because we know that there is no necessary goal to meditation mm. it's just to to sit but in my experience it can be very frustrating to be distracted for 10 minutes every morning which is basically what meditation started as for me like it just never changed it was just 10 minutes of being agitated yes but when i paired it with <laughs> yes when uh when i paired it with the journaling practice all of a sudden it allowed me to become more present i was present in the writing and then I was more present you know honestly throughout the entire day mm. it's, it's having a place where I can keep my thoughts safe or waiting for me allows me to be present with the task at hand yeah how beautiful so, yes, is that? writing mm. writing and meditating how beautiful is that and I agree with you I sometimes find a, a quick brain dump is the best thing to do before a meditation otherwise your writing becomes this this you're constantly dealing. I mean, mind wandering is something that we do in meditation anyway. It's the, the science has shown that, that we do mind wander and that the power is to bring ourselves back. But if there's this quite incessant to-do list, it can become very noisy between your ears, can't it? So mm -hmm. having done a dump to let go of it is, is really, really valuable. Um, you've mentioned that, um, you know, obviously you've developed this work as a result of your own experiences um, of, of ADHD and ADD and so on. Have you seen this work or have, has any of this work been 
given to young people or, or children who are experiencing um, ADHD, ADD. Now that we know so many more people are experiencing it, I think every I know I've got members of my family and friends and children of my girlfriends who are, who are experiencing it. So it's quite widespread. Have you? Has there been any move to provide some bullet journal? Has a bullet journal method been provided to anyone in any younger people who might be experiencing? Yes. That? It has. Uh, a lot of teachers have used bullet journaling um, as a tool to help people with ADHD. I have not provided resources myself, um, but I, I am aware that there are ongoing programs to assist people with ADHD through journaling, specifically bullet journaling, that have proven quite effective as far as I know. That's fantastic. That's really, really good. And I guess, I guess a question, another question is, can you imagine your world without journaling? Would that be a possibility for you? I mean, I guess I'm supposed to say no, but yeah, I think if anything, journaling has made me aware of how you can make anything work, right? If you're just very intentional about where you focus your attention and how you, how cognizant you stay of the narrative that you're telling yourself. Journaling makes that process much easier for me to externalize my thinking is incredibly helpful. But um, yeah, I imagine that the lessons that I've taken from the practice have supported me in almost every other facet of my life. Mm -hmm. And where has it supported you elsewhere in your life? How, how has it helped you in your life? Well, I think one thing is to consistently be very mindful of the narrative that I have about certain things, right? The, what is the story that I'm telling myself about any given situation, which was something that has changed dramatically in me as a person, right? Especially being ADHD, you think very quickly, you make up your mind very quickly, you have strong opinions very quickly. And I realized that that's often those opinions, the faster they're shaped, that means the hotter the thought was, you know? Um, so journaling has definitely helped my narrative become significantly more resourceful and make me become aware of when my narrative is not resourceful. I feel like those are the two kinds of narratives, narratives that are resourceful and narratives that aren't. I agree with you. And I often hear at Your Freedom Unlimited talk about exactly that. What are the stories we're telling ourselves? And we've always got, once we become aware of them, we've, we can then have some control or make a decision about what that quality of that story will be. And we can either be telling ourselves good stories about ourselves and our world around us and, and the people in it, or we can be telling ourselves not such good stories, quite unsupportive stories. And again, it comes back to that choice, doesn't it? So how great that journaling has allowed you that insight to really observe the stories. It's, it's a it really is a meditative technique, isn't it? When you talk about observing the stories you're telling yourself. Yeah, I think that more so than anything, journaling helps to remind me that I have a choice in so many different ways. The right. choice of how I will tell a story, the choice of how I will respond to what's happening to me. Um, yeah, over and over again, that's, that's the power we have. We have the power to choose. So true. Ryder, you have given us such a gift with a bullet journal. You know, it's, it's something that looks beautiful and so on, but, but more to the point, and it, we enter it, we might enter into it you know, from an organizational perspective, but 
it, it's so much more than that. It is this real mindfulness practice and this tool to really get to know ourselves better. Um, one of the questions that I ask our guests on Your Freedom Unlimited is, what does freedom mean to you? I think I would have to build off my last answer. It's the, the freedom to choose, mm. right? What does it mean? It's, it's, you can change your mind. You can change anything based on the information that you have available to you. I guess mm. freedom to me is choice. Mm. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You have really created and given us, given the world an incredible gift, which the world has taken on board, which is which is really, really great. Um, if people want to know more, I know that you've written a book. There's the Bullet Journal Method book, and then there's beautiful bullet journals that you can buy. But what, what should people do if they want to take the next step to find out more about this Bullet Journal Method and to connect with you more, where should people go and what should they do? Bulletjournal.com. We have a bunch of free tutorials to get you started. Uh, that's the best resource that we have. Fantastic. Well, you are very generous and those free tutorials are fantastic. And also if you join Ryder's newsletter, you get the first two chapters of his book, which are fantastic. So you are very generous, Ryder. And I think you've given, the thing is with the Bullet Journal Method is that you've given us something that's ultimately flexible there's no doctrine there's, a, there's you show people a way of doing things but then it's up to us in terms of how we you know shift and shape that for our lives and it's also up to us in terms of the level that we go to in terms of how we interact with it but I think that deeper step into the mindfulness practice sounds to me like it's it's just been so beneficial for you Ryder and for so many other people that have that have used the bullet journal method so thank you very much for your time today I really appreciate it Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Take good care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. If you like this show, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review Your Freedom Unlimited on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at jenramsey.com. Thanks for listening.